Was Noah's Ark a UFO? We are going to talk about that today on the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Cub Cooker. If you have never been here before, we talk about faith, spirituality, paranormal, and mythology every single day on this podcast. This is a live, raw, all-inclusive podcast, no matter what faith, religion, walk of life, uh, orientation, or race you are. You are welcome here as long as you're here in love and light and unity with others seeking the authentic reality. That's what we do every day. What is up, Menly? Welcome. How are you doing? What is up, Steffi? Thanks for being here. Uh, as you guys join in the comments, uh, leave me a comment, question, prayer, concern if you guys have them. We're going to be looking at the story of Noah's flood today in Enoch and uh, the Bible as well as uh, the interwebs and see what we can find. Uh, because there's some really interesting things here. Now, we are going to approach this. What's up, Jane? How are you doing? I hope you're having a beautiful day. We're going to approach this with a mythological point of view. So when I say that, I mean I am not taking this flood literally. I am not trying to justify how it happened. Uh, I'm not trying to look at how it happened scientifically or geologically or uh, with a timeline, we're looking at the deeper esoteric meaning of it. So there's plenty of channels that will do that. Obviously, we have evidence of a global flood within a lot of different cultures. Um, so I'm not refuting that at all. And I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but I'm just saying for the purposes of what we're talking about today, this is uh, kind of a what if mentality that we approach every single day with on here because there is a theory floating around that Noah's Ark was actually a UFO and he actually took the genetic material of the creation rather than actual animals of the creation. So um, that may sound, whoa, out there crazy, um, but I, I think that there's definitely like some some understanding in that where like especially with our modern science i think we could go like yeah i can see that so i just want to kind of look at you know the idea of preservation the idea of the flood uh the idea of a cleansing and the idea of like what type of god would actually uh destroy his creation like i i never understood that and i think we're going to find some stuff today that might help us better understand you know was this the most high god uh, the loving God that like Christ came to reveal, or uh, was this maybe a different God? And so we're going to look at that today and just see what we come up with. So uh, and see what we collectively understand. So uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, good point there. God's not real. People invent gods to cohere tribes, deal with uh, morality and the unknown. Uh, Bill, that is like, you know, that's the age old theory, right? Like God's not real. Uh, but at the same time, you know, can you observe that the universe is real? Can you observe that, uh, the universe has an intelligence? Can you observe that it has a divine, uh, or what you might consider, uh, a pretty wild, um, reality about it as far as the nature of the patterns that, that take place. So, uh, you know, for me, that is God. So uh, it's not some bearded man sitting on a cloud uh, or some alien God. It is, um, you know, really this uh, divine intelligence, this universal creative force. So um, and, and, and by the way, for me, it does have an intelligence. It does have a, a unity with myself. So 
Um, so with that said, you know, uh, I believe that a lot of these texts that we have are talking about extraterrestrial gods, uh, these ancient alien type gods, whether you choose to believe that literally or figuratively or whatever, I think there's evidence to support both. That's kind of how I approach my channel. If you, if you're looking for answers, you're not going to get it here because, uh, we just have an open mind and discuss like all these different points of view. So. But I'm going to get into the Genesis Flood narrative. So the Genesis Flood narrative, chapters uh, 6 through 9 in the book of Genesis, is the Hebrew version of the Universal Flood myth. Now the Universal Flood myth has um, so many different parallels within other cultures. So uh, a flood myth or a deluge myth uh, is a myth in which a great flood, usually sent by a deity, deities uh, destroys civilization often in an act of divine retribution. Again, why does a God need to take a divine retribution against a creation rather than, um, you know, trying to send some understanding into that creation? Um, and as we're going to see here, you know, this flood, according to the book of Enoch, was really more of a cleansing of what the gods had done and like the, the children of the gods that had gotten out of hand. Uh, and by children, I mean the Nephilim, the giants, according to the mythology of Enoch. So, um, again, whether you choose to believe any of this literally is totally up to you. And uh, that's not the point of the study. It's more to try to understand, um, you know, like, why would a God do this? What, like, what's the motive here? Like, what, like, I, I try to look at all of this as like, you know, we're, we're trying to come to some conclusion on the character of these deities that we we claim to have faith in or serve or be a part of or be spoken to by yet nobody can justify any of the actions that they take so uh it's kind of a kind of a give and take situation there uh as far as uh your psyche is concerned so uh crocodile done deal how would i request an exorcism i have no idea man that's not me i'm definitely not a catholic so uh, I would ask a Catholic on that. Um, evangelicals, um, well, Methodist really is what I was raised. So we, we don't, we don't even have those in Methodism really. So, um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, there's probably other channels for that. That's, that's not this channel. So, uh, the book of giants is true or false. Um, well, yeah, it is true or false, right? Like, you know, it, it either is or it isn't, or, it is again an allegory or a spiritual representation um i mean here here's how you can take the book of giants here's how you can take the whole nephilim story esoterically you guys want to know how i can look at stuff and how i can you know uh, justify things and try to understand this in a deeper way uh the idea that the gods serving the gods serving these extraterrestrial deities um, or what you might consider extra dimensional. They are entities that want to connect with us and talk with us. And so purely esoterically, they're speaking with you, you're serving them, but you're having to follow these patterns of service that they've set forth. Uh, and they decide to connect with you or to commingle their spirits with you. And through that is born or birthed, uh, a Nephilim, a giant, a destructive creature, uh, out of that law, out of that old way of doing things, you are now birthed into a sinful creature uh, that has to be, in effect, cleansed or washed clean with a deluge. And now you can 
resurrect and rebuild a society or rebuild your own self through that story in an esoteric light. So do you guys see how I can, I can literally take any story in the Bible, any story in mythology and give you the esoteric representation of it. And I love doing that at the same time. I don't think that that refutes that any of this stuff potentially did happen. Again, history is told by the winners and mythologies are written with a bunch of different amalgamations as well as what we consider tall tales where things are kind of blown out of proportion. Um, and again, this idea of if this flood really happened, did Noah actually build a literal boat? Um, or was he much as his, uh, what is it? Great, great grandfather Enoch taken up in a craft, a spacecraft, an airship, uh, something that was able to rescue him out of this, uh, where he was able to take what would be today, you know, be considered vials of genetic makeup of all these animals. So again, that's another interpretation of this. You know, if you take the biblical literary, uh, literalist approach, then, you know, you, you say, well, it's just a boat and he floated in it and, and this is the story and that's exactly how it happened. And, and that's fine. Again, I don't have a problem if you take it that way, but I just offer a different way of looking at these things. So when we get into that narrative, I think that that's super, super important to understand what it means to us. Like, so say it did really happen. That's great. I think there's still an esoteric meaning of it. Say, uh, Jesus really did walk the earth. You know, a lot of people argue that he didn't, that it was purely a spiritual story passed down and then given, uh, and retold. Um, I think he walked the earth. I believe that he was the fullness of the logos and he came to show humanity their own divinity. Um, and it, I believe he came to bring a new God and stand against the old gods that brought all this destruction and all of humanity's, uh, fall into sin and knowing of sin. Like, um, you know, I think that a God that loves us creates us in beauty and perfection. And obviously we have free will, so do the angels. They're they're created in even more beauty and perfection than we are, according to the scriptures. And uh, we still see that that we have fallen angels. So, you know, that gets to be a deep, deep well there. And that's why I talk about mythos and like the mythos that we create for ourselves. And so that operating system, I've watched people who are who are biblical literalists that that believe exactly what happened. They have a worldview based on that. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying that it, inherently that has its problems. When you build a mythos for yourself that nothing matters and we're just all worms in a bucket and we're just happen to be here because of, you know, whatever Big Bang. Again, I'm not telling you what to believe, but I'm saying that has its own problems too. Every mythos has its own problems. Uh, the point of all of them is to try to come around to an understanding, a deeper spiritual understanding uh, of how we can ascend, how we can uh, rescue uh, the divine creation, if you will, ourselves. So, um, what's up, Michael? Michael Sexton is here. We can start now. Absolutely, my friend. Thanks for joining. Uh, there's so many religions with a flood perspective. Absol absolutely, X Spiritual says. Um, let's see. Aren't they doing tours in the Ark now currently? Yeah, there's actually like a Noah's Ark. Um, you know, museum and like they built it to, to scale according to, uh, you know, the biblical dimensions laid out, which is fascinating to me. Uh, and of course I would love to go see it. They show how, you know, you really could have taken that many animals on it. And, 
I mean, it's basically like a floating city. And I mean, this would have taken Noah uh, and his family and probably some angels a long time to build. Like, you know, if you've watched the one with Russell Crowe in it, uh, the, the Noah, to me, that is more true to like the biblical narrative when you include Enoch with it. And of course it had the big rock creatures. I'm not really sure where they got the rock creatures. I think that's from a different mythology, like a different flood narrative. I think they combined a bunch of them for that movie. Um, but again, it's fascinating. You know, how would, how would a human just Noah and a couple of sons and daughters and, and wives, uh, you know, I think they had multiple ones then. So, yeah, how would they build this? So that's why I have it as a UFO here, you know, because it's like, we don't know what it was. Again, is it an allegory? Is it spiritual? Is it literal? Uh, was he actually on a spacecraft? Like, we don't know, guys. And when we sit here and argue about it, I think we miss the esoteric representation of it. And that's what I want to look at today. Um, so let's see. I'm having issues with my wife. I'm growing more spiritual. Uh, and she has not any help on that. Hey, that's a really good Merle. Good, good question. Um, I'm dealing with that within my own family as well. Um, my wife was raised Catholic and still is Catholic. And, and again, I have no problem with that. She definitely sees where I'm coming from with this, though. She's not there herself in a lot of it. Uh, she's starting to get there with things I talked about two years ago, if that makes sense. Like, because she doesn't, She's not as deeply concerned with spirituality as I am. And by the way, that's okay. Because here's the deal. Um, you know, those people will, we're better off patterning like what this does for us than we are trying to bring them along and make them understand. And I think for me, I've tried to do that with people like my, you know, even my parents. Like, you know, my mom is really trying to understand a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. My dad was raised Catholic and he has a lot of these while he sees that there's been a lot of control and, and manipulation and whatnot of the scriptures uh, and within the church systems, he's still like, he has an operating system on, and this isn't to call my parents out. I love them to death if they're watching, but, um, but like I get where that's coming from. I've spent a lot of time deconstructing and a lot of time going through trials and a lot of times, uh, praying to God and asking for absolute authentic spiritual truth and realizing and confessing to him that I really don't give a crap about anything else. I don't want to have like a job or a successful business or anything if it's not inherently a spiritual act, like, and not just an act, but like spiritually, like talking about this stuff. That was, I remember when I knew I wanted to do this has been about like maybe six years ago, seven years ago, maybe. Um, after I went through a lot of struggles in my life and marriage and finally quit all my alcohol consumption. And, you know, I wasn't like, you know, one of the hard liquor people or anything. And, and you know, I can't imagine, I'm so glad I was just, but I would just drink so many, so many, uh, barley pops every night, you know, and it just, it really messed with my psyche. It messed with my spirit. It messed with my soul. Um, and so like, for me, this has been a long time coming and I knew that I wanted to do something like this. I always thought I was being called to be a pastor and I tried that multiple times in multiple areas of my life and it never worked out. There was a time when I thought I was going to go to Bible college that didn't work out. And it just always kind of fell to like me staying in these creative roles and then kind of ebbing and flowing back between the creative roles and then the spiritual roles in my life, uh, even professionally. And so here I am, I literally get to combine them both. And, and I can see how that was a long time coming. 
But what's interesting, like that story's mine. That's not my wife's. That's not my dad's. That's not my mom's. That's not any of these people that we dearly, dearly love in our lives. Um, and so the best thing we can do is, is literally love them where they're at, share the fruit of what is happening with us. Um, and I think that is the key for me is like, it's, it's not in any explanation I can give. It's not in any, um, you know, written letter or, you know, deep heartfelt conversation. Like, I really wish you were on the same. It's just like, you know, look, I got joy. I got peace. I got happiness. I'm free from my addictions. I'm free from all of these things that I used to define myself by. And like, just look at the joy, look at the fruit. Like they'll see that light of Christ in you. And I think that that's like just focusing more for me personally, more on lighting up that inner light, more emitting of light. And I think that that, um, that's probably one of the things that will, for me in my life, I think people will eventually go, huh, maybe he's, maybe he's got something there. Um, because you know, a lot of people in our lives, they've watched us fall and screw up and make dumb decisions and be angry or upset or sad or depressed or addicted or whatever it is. Like they've seen us like that. And it's hard to be, you know, even Jesus says like, a you know, a physician can't heal in his own home. A prophet is not recognized in his own hometown. Like, uh, it's going to take time for that. And it's, it's our own spiritual journey. So, and that, and that really does tie into this whole flood narrative it's like by me combining myself with these old gods if you will this old religious law i became in effect a nephilim myself you know i was self-destructive i didn't like myself and other people like i was uh upset all the time you know just in a depression and and people that listen to this and knew me back then they're like well a cub's always been you know happy-go-lucky fun guy you know life of the party, whatever. Well, people didn't see the inside. I mean, you look at people like Robin Williams, it's like the people that are the most depressed are always the funniest or the out outgoing or whatever. Like, um, and so in effect I had birthed my own like Nephilim, which was like a destroying force in my life, like, like spiritually within me, you know, uh, and sometimes manifest to where, you know, again, my addictions would take over and it was just this like slow and I'm smoking two, three packs a day at that point, you know, um, just making myself so sick, you know, like trying to, trying to unalive me, right? Like that Nephilim, you know? Um, and so, you know, again, I think there's a really deep spiritual lesson in this that we, we all, all miss, unfortunately, because we argue the semantics of it rather than the spirit of the story. And that's why I love myth, mythology and mythos is because as we talked about the other day with Pandora's box, when you actually look into the mythology of it, it was a clay vessel and she was made out of clay by the gods. And once she looked within, all of those demons escaped and they flew away and they went elsewhere. And she looks within and sees the light within and that, and hears that the sound of bells within, you know, that hope. And she's like, there's hope. And again, it's like an allegory for her looking within her, within her vessel, within our vessel. Like it's the human story. All of these mythologies are some explanation of the human story. And that's what I want us to catch here. Like that's what this community is about. That's what this group is about is really getting those things on a level that other people are going to sit there and argue semantics, but we can sit there with that spiritual fruit and we can drink of that juice and, and really, really understand what that means. And they can see in us like, why are they so chill about this? Why are they so, why do they have like this knowing about them? 
because that's gnosis guys that's spiritual knowledge becoming fruit in our lives becoming something that we we know it and we know when it's not that like we can hear when people are arguing about stuff or there's this doctrine or that you can see that there's no fruit on those trees and you know because you've tasted of it so many times you know exactly where to go for that spiritual fruit and it's always within it's always a deeper meaning um and so i don't know it's it's pretty pretty wild that in my my opinion so uh, the picture, uh, Alexander asks, so this is Noah's Ark with streaming light coming out of the bottom, kind of blasting off into space with the idea that like, was Noah's Ark actually a spaceship? Was it actually a UFO? And, uh, you know, that's just a theory. And I wanted to title that today because, um, you know, it's a compelling theory, especially in our science fiction world. You know, did he take literal animals or did he take the genetic makeup to reseed humanity? So, you know, and again, esoterically, you know, did it even happen? So that that those are all possibilities. But yeah, flood myths have been, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh is one of them. Just a a, a massive, massive story there. If you've never read that, we're going to read that at some point soon. Probably when we get done with Enoch, the Ark was a DNA boat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, in one form or fashion, for sure it was. So uh, let's see. I've never been able to read the scriptures because they tried uh, to make me live in fear. You know, and uh, be sunshine. That is that is a great great point. And one of the things that I want to uh address on this channel is understanding the mythologies and so when we look at the god of the old testament and how angry and fear-mongering that those texts can be um you know and you have a lot of people that try to justify that as like the god that jesus came to reconcile us to when you know really i think he came to stand against those gods and actually bring like a new god and a new understanding of who we are to this Abba, this father, this Theos, or Theos, however you want to say it. In the Greek, he actually said Theos, you know. Um, and it wasn't Yahweh as spoken of in the Old Testament, you know. And you have to wonder, like, if he was really talking about Yahweh, wouldn't he have drawn direct parallels? And some people say, well, yeah, he did. He, he you know, said this scripture and he fulfilled that one. But if you look at it, like, look at the tone of how he speaks it. And he's, he's always like refuting it. And he's always like, you know, referencing a verse where Yahweh's dwelling in darkness. And then he's saying that my father dwells in light. Like, you know, he's given this compare and contrast. And then this morning on the podcast, I, I shared where he literally, literally told them, uh, that, Hey, your father is Satan. Uh, you've been worshiping Satan. Like he literally told him that. And so like, why do we miss that? You know, um, because what is Satan, the great deceiver? He made himself the God of this world, right? Like, um, and of course he's going to try to, you know, destroy and rebuild and do everything, you know, according to his will rather than the divine father whose will is, you know, continual creation, ascension, love and unity. So, um, absolutely. Ex spiritual says, right. Satan is not only the prince of this world, but the God of this world. Um, and so we forget that and you have like how many different, you know, how many people, I mean, and this is just like, you know, ask yourself how many people worship Yahweh still, 
in some form or fashion. And I'm not going to get into every religion that does, but I'm just saying there is a vast understanding that that God is like the God above all, um, amongst a lot of different religious systems. And for me, I just don't see it. I don't, you know, I did the whole, you know, Yahweh, the dragon this morning, uh, and it was really good, but, um, we're about to see here when we get into Genesis, I'm going to read from the scriptures in Genesis to kind of give you context as to where a lot of this Enoch narrative comes from, uh, or vice versa. You know, the, the narrative in Genesis may actually come from Enoch, so we don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, dolphin baby says, according to archaics, I've never heard of him on YouTube. Yahweh was a demon, uh, in the Moses book and several others were added. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that like he, he's just like a dark entity or the, the Gnostics called him the Demiurge. So, and again, I mean, if he's the most high God and I'm wrong, then like, of course I'll admit it. Like I'm not, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying, like, look at it. Like, let's let's have an honest conversation about it, detached from tradition and dogma and trying to reconcile things that just don't really go together. Um, I think it's it's time to just kind of open that up and be be really, really authentic about what's potentially going on here. Not that every line is going to make sense with that point of view either, just like it doesn't the other way, but... I think there's certainly a different reading of the Old and New Testament that we we maybe have missed. Marcion was one of the earliest writers that put together like a Bible. You can look up Marcion Bible, uh, Marcion of Pinoke, um, or Pinope. I don't remember how you say that, but um, I don't speak Greek. But um, but he actually wrote and and defended the idea very very early in the church, like like as the church in Acts was happening from my understanding, uh, that Yahweh was Satan and Jesus came to bring a brand new God, um, or even possibly an ancient God that had been forgotten about. That was this unity, this father, this divine love. That was the unity of the divine feminine and the divine masculine together. So it's like really, really beautiful. So Psalm eight, four, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, you know, you got a lot of Psalms that it's talking directly about Yahweh and directly about, um, you know, that physical embodiment of God, uh, which we, you know, if you're of the Christian bent, then you understand that the embodiment of God is Christ. Yet we're told that it is Yahweh in the Old Testament when Moses stood with him and then Jesus says, no one has seen the father except for the son. Like, I don't know guys like it, it literally just doesn't add up. And I think that's why I like doing this. Cause it's like, you know, there's at least math to be done. You know, I'm certainly not a mathematician, but I'm just saying like two and two don't equal five. Uh, you know, it's at a certain point we got to go like, what, okay, what's going on here? Um, and, and I think humanity is, is wise enough at this point to like start putting this together. Um, and this is going to be a big issue in the future, I think, when more and more people within organized systems right now begin to ask these questions because there's really no good answers for them if you go on the theological side of it other than tradition has just drilled it in. And I feel like enough of it's been kind of like pushed to the fringes, especially the Gnostic texts and stuff like that, to try to 
like la 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 just like let's just don't ask that like you know the ways of god who understands them kind of thing and i just i don't buy that anymore i can't accept it and i just can't live that way because it caused me a lot of problems personally so um let's see agreed spiritual yeah absolutely definitely deeper understandings uh at birth we're given a name a race a religion etc absolutely yeah like we're we're a universal entity, right? Like we're part of God and we are beings of light, I believe. Um, and so it's up to us to continue to activate our light as we're on this earth day in and day out and shine forth with that authentic reality of the kingdom of God. Um, and we try to identify ourselves with all these different things. Even me earlier, I was like, oh, I'm from Germanic descent, you know. Well, it's like, that's not me. Like, that's the timeline I was dropped into. That's the genetics I was dropped into. And somehow that serves my spirit to come alive and come awake and actually bring this message that I'm bringing. So somehow, some way. So, um, again, uh, who knows? Who knows? But so we get into Genesis 6 here. This is going to be a great way to kind of understand Enoch as we're going through it. Uh, it could be on the same level of knowledge. Uh, but not quite like hive minds, LOL, giving will. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So when b men began to multiply on the face uh, of the ground and the daughters were born to them, God's sons saw that men's daughters were beautiful and they took any that they wanted for themselves as wives. Yahweh said, my spirit will not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. So... His days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were in the earth in those days. And also after that, when God's sons came into the daughters of men and had children with them. Those were the mighty men who are of old men of renown. So this is where we start with this crazy mythology. Now, mind you, if you read like a more modern translation, like I used to read the NLT or the Christian Standard Bible and nothing against them, but it's different in them. So let me change. We're reading the World English Bible right now. Let me just change to uh, the Christian Standard Bible. Because uh, that's kind of the one that I used to take to church all the time. Um, okay, so when mankind began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God uh, saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful and they took wives for themselves. The Lord said, my spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt, blah, 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 120 years. So you see like the subtle change there. But now let's look at like a really popular one when I was growing up is going to be, uh, well, of course, King James Version uh, says sons of God in it. Let's see, where's the one? I'm looking for, yeah, there it is, NIV, okay. Um, so NIV says sons of God as well. I'm looking for one. There's one that, uh, that says that, that, that leads you to think, um, something else. So I'm trying to find it. Let's see. Uh, where is it? Was it NIV? I don't remember. Welcome to my world guys. Welcome to my brain. I apologize for the mess. So, <laughs> Um, let's see, da, 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 da. I'm still looking, um, there's the 21st century King James, um, that one says sons of God too. There are some translations and it may not be this verse, but it, it goes from, 
um, from being sons of God um, to no, I think I think that that's what actually what it is. Uh, one of them says like the angels, and one of them says sons of God. I can't remember what it is, but you know it, it does get twisted because of the different translations. And and of course, I love the different translations, but I like reading World English Bible because it actually puts Yahweh where Yahweh should be. It puts El Elyon where El Elyon should be, and it's got like you know all of those more of the literal of what the either Hebrew or Greek said in place. So I think that that's really interesting and a good way to read it. So, uh, and I like this cause it claims it as God's sons. So now a lot of people try to turn this into God's sons as, uh, being like, um, the race of humanity. And I'm going to look up, uh, I'm going to Google Genesis six here. And go over to Bible Hub because that's the best place to go where we can look up the actual translation. Because this, this really helps our uh, our understanding. And I normally try to have stuff pulled up so uh, we're ready to go. But uh, I just thought of this. So, um, Okay, so... Daughters were born to them, the sons of God. Okay, here we go. So, the sons of God. So, this means a son and of Elohim. So, which is God's, the supreme God magistrates um, saw that the daughters of men. So, now we have a definition with the daughters of men. So, like, why would the sons of God be humans at that point? Because then you have the daughters of men. Like, there is a differentiation. That's that's what I was trying to point out and prove there. Um, because a lot of people try to translate that and say, well, that was, uh, like the line, uh, of humanity. That was the, the divine line, you know, the one that Jesus would come from later or whatever. And so, um, but again, that, that kind of falls apart when you really follow it too far. So, but again, when you look at the mythology of that with Enoch, you have a very clear depiction of these are angels. These are fallen angels. So, or what we would in scientific uh, or sci-fi at least terms call extraterrestrials. So, uh, wait a minute, are are aliens, uh, angels, is that what he's saying? Well, yeah, I mean, by definition they are, but at the same time they're not. I mean, um, I think angels use technology. I think they're supposed to manage the divine fractal nature of the Father, and I think that uh, we see that there are different beings in the Bible who have their own angels. So, like... we're dealing with pantheons of other parts of creation we don't understand look at how many different types of animals there are on this planet and so with that uh it becomes really difficult like to just say that there's only one type of angel so uh why god called for men women and children to be put to uh unaliving yeah exactly um and that's what i'm talking about like you know why why would god god most high a loving god actually do that and i don't I don't follow that narrative. I follow one that I think makes a lot more sense. So, uh, B sunshine says my God didn't absolutely mine didn't either. So choose your God, just like in, uh, uh, Oh, what is that? That game, uh, super smash brothers. If you ever played that, choose your character, you know, uh, that's kind of, you know, even the verse where it says me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. And so, um, me and my house, we will serve El. We will serve the God Most High by whatever 
he manifests as I believe he's that divine fractal nature of love and unity within each of us. So the one that was fully present in Christ. So here we are in book of Enoch, book two, book of the parables, chapter two, we're in verse 53 and it shall come to pass in those days that none shall be saved either by gold or by silver and none shall be able to escape. That's important because this morning I talked about the dragon, the beast, uh, the Yahweh, the dragon, that they literally brought gold and silver to him as penance, like gold, silver, uh, animal unalivings and sacrifices. And then even in one verse, it's, um, it's hinted at with the whole virgin thing, you know, that, um, through that, the law of Yahweh and Moses, that they were supposed to get rid of all of these people and then keep the virgins for themselves. And it, I mean, again, it's like, this is dark stuff. Like, no wonder more people don't want to believe in God because you got this like horrible, horrible depiction of him in the Old Testament. And again, that's not the one that I choose to serve. So um, that's just for me. You know, you, you make up your own mind. But and I, and I continue to share as I come to more understanding. But but right there, there's another allusion to the gold and the silver. Um, and there shall be no iron for war. That was important because. Uh, I think it was Azazel, the fallen angel, brought the instruments of war. Uh, Nor shall one clothe oneself with a breastplate. Bronze shall be of no service, and the tin shall not be esteemed, and lead shall not be desired. And all of these things shall be destroyed from the surface of the earth. And I looked and turned to another part of the earth and saw that a deep valley was burning fire. And they brought the kings and the mighty and began to cast them into this deep valley. And there mine eyes saw how they made these instruments into chains of immeasurable weight. So this is interesting. All the instruments of war that, you know, were brought with the fallen angels are then turned into chains for them, okay? And they are now thrown in the fire. They're thrown in the pit or what we would consider hell. Um, and Enoch asks, for whom are these chains being prepared? He says, so then the angel that's talking to him says, uh, these are being prepared for the hosts of Azazel. Remember the angel is Azel, so that they may take them and cast them into the abyss to complete condemnation. And they shall cover their jaws with rough stones as the Lord of spirits commanded. And Michael and Gabriel and Raphael and Phanuel took hold of them on that great day and cast them on that day into the burning furnace. And the Lord of spirits may take vengeance on them for their unrighteousness in becoming subject to Satan and leading astray those who dwell on the earth. And what's interesting is we don't get the narrative of the judgment of the angels in Genesis. We get the narrative that Yahweh is cleansing the earth from evil men and some giants, you know, like if you read into it that much. But really more the narrative in Enoch, as you get into that mythology, is this is the judgment of the angels. And this is the narrative that we're a part of. We're like collateral damage for, really. Uh, and that hell was fashioned for the angels, not for us. They're divine beings who have taken an oath. They know. They're not like us, trapped in this matrix, trying to find ourselves. They know. And they broke that oath. And they came and messed with humanity. D uh, teach me, great one, Deanna, and says, yes, um, no, no, that's not me. Uh, this is just, it's fascinating to me. And I've, I've poked around enough in this to try to, to, to find stuff as I slap the table here and shake the iPad. 
Uh, and in those days shall punishment come from the Lord of spirits, and he will open all the chambers of the waters which are above the heavens and the fountains which are beneath the earth. Here's like a common misconception is that all of Enoch is basically apocalyptic prophecy for the day we're in today because of the whole as in the days of Noah thing. But right here, as we're in this parable, we see the foretelling of the flood coming right now. And all the waters shall be joined with the waters. That which is above the heavens is the masculine, and that water which is beneath the earth is the the feminine, okay, masculine and the feminine. And they shall destroy all who dwell on the earth and those who dwell under the ends of the heaven. And when they are recognized in their unrighteousness, which they have wrought on the earth, by then they shall perish. Why is this important? Okay, masculine and feminine. Why would it even say that? For the esoteric reader, this is combining the waters above and the waters below. The waters above, masculine. The waters below, feminine. Why is that important? Okay, so only when we combine the masculine and the feminine within self are we able to create that deluge where we destroy out of us all of these unholy things that we've created, ideas, uh, pathways, actions, all of these, what you would consider in Eastern philosophy, the karmic imprint, uh, that operating system of your life. Again, I didn't understand this like two years ago. So this is not, this is new. Like I'm just, I'm sharing with you guys as I go through this, I used to not understand this at all. Cause I was just trying to read it literally. But, uh, I think what an insightful thing there to understand that, that like, you know, Whenever we want to kind of take that proverbial step towards renewal, what is that? That baptism. Why do we have baptism? You know, it's such a representation of the power of water. We're, we're made of water, right? And so uh, the divine feminine and the divine masculine coming together and actually washes away these things in our life. And I think another term you could view this as is like Yahweh is the masculine purely, like nothing but the conqueror and the commander. That's what we see in the Old Testament, you know, the fire and the smoke and all of those imageries. Um, and so with that, you know, especially in early doctrine, you had a divine mother, a divine father, and the son. And it wasn't until we got into, uh, you know, the, the Church of Rome, kind of turning everything that we had nothing but masculine. And what did that do in me? It created more than um than i could handle in my life as far as you know um pathways in my brain patterns in my life addictions stuff like that you know just things that needed to be washed out of me that um i wouldn't be sitting here today i probably wouldn't even be alive if i hadn't finally found that divine combination of the divine feminine and the divine masculine to to come together and realize that we are creative beings we are a part of god's creation we're co-creating and these stories while we can take them literal can be esoteric just as easily uh in fact i think sometimes easier if we're just willing to have eyes to see and ears to hear uh and in verse 64 it says after that the head of days repented and said in vain i have destroyed all who dwell on the earth again the head of days here like it's calling out a different entity here than um, than God, you know, it's like, uh, the judgment came from the Lord of spirits from God, but the head of days is the one that like carried it out. So it's like, you know, I don't understand again, especially in a literal form, 
what the head of days is versus, you know, the Lord of Spirits. I mean, I would assume the Lord of Spirits would be like God the Father. The head of days might be like the Yahweh character that we have in the Old Testament. So, um, X Spiritual says, uh, reference to Christ, head of days. I don't believe that because he repents. Why would Christ repent? Like Christ never repented. He doesn't need to repent. The, the Christ energy doesn't need to repent. So I don't buy that on an esoteric level specifically uh, because it's like, you know, why would, why would he repent? Like, again, that doesn't logically make sense in our spiritual mythos here um, of how we can reconcile that. So, uh, but the head of days repented and said, in vain, I have destroyed all who dwell on the earth. Um, uh, and then he swore in his great name henceforth, uh, I will not do so to all who dwell on the earth. I will set a sign in the heaven. And this shall be the pledge of good faith. Again, this seems more like, you know, a creation of God that's like has an identity crisis and is trying to figure out how to manage humanity than like an all powerful being that. You know, again, I'm not him, so I don't know, but it's interesting. So, um, so with that said, uh, this is definitely, definitely deep, deep water territory. So, uh, but as these floods come and, and the escape happens in, in the arc here, you know, um, dividing the waters, I've got some more artwork for you guys. And then I love this one, uh, of kind of the waters receding here. And so, you know, I don't know what this looks like in your life, but I know what it's looked like in mine and having that good cleansing, which normally is not easy, by the way. There's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth, especially personally, uh, as you go through these timelines of your life and you struggle and suffer and learn lessons. It's not fun. It's not easy. But when that water recedes, you, you do see new growth. You see a, a new new canyons carved, new mountains formed, new opportunities. Um, I've just been through a big cleansing period in my life. Went through one even before that, before I got married. And even while I was married, uh, still married, but in the early part of my marriage, you know, just trying to figure all of this stuff out, you know. And, of course, we always turn to things in this world, and we're told, even though we, we forget it, we're told not to look to this world. Um, and it's just, it's very interesting guys. It's very interesting. So, but if you guys like the way that I read stuff, if you like the kind of approach I take and you want to dive deeper with me, um, we've got a mythos membership. Um, and the mythos membership is, is really, really cool. In fact, I was going to pull up, uh, the Facebook group we've got, um, going here. Uh, it's a monthly membership. It's twenty nine ninety nine. It supports what we're doing here. But the idea of mythos is a set of beliefs and assumptions about something. And the, the name mythos is an acronym here. It stands for manifest yourself through holistic original spirituality. And that's, that's what we're doing here. Manifesting ourselves through holistic original spirituality. Uh, we're not, this is not doctrine and dogma. We're not trying to justify things um, to try to create necessarily a timeline with all of this, but it's an esoteric reading of it. It's a deeper practice of the spiritual principles present within the texts that we read. We do that through, uh, Christian literature, through Jude, uh, Judeo-Christian literature, Hebrew literature, um, even some Egyptian. We've got some Norse mythology coming up. Greek mythology, a lot of different ones, uh, even uh, Hindu uh, and Buddhism. So all of those concepts are coming together within, obviously here every day on the podcast. 
But these are more intellectual conversations around the topics. These are more like philosophical, like podcasty style. And within that community, we're doing more of the work. In fact, today, part of what you get as a part of this community is you get access to the private Facebook group. Uh, we are also going to have virtual meetups within that Facebook group uh, where I'll do private live streams for that group. Um, and then we're going to have uh, a video library that's going to include meditations, trainings, and spiritual practice sessions. That's being done currently on Odyssey, on our Odyssey channel. Um, and again, then that's that's private for the group. So you guys are really, really going to enjoy that. We actually had several people sign up uh, from yesterday w with the official launch of it. Um, and so far, I'm really excited uh, not near as many people are in the Facebook group as have actually signed up. So if you did sign up, be sure and get in the Facebook group because that's where all the announcements are going to happen. But consider joining Mythos. Um, we've got really cool things coming in that. Why would you join now instead of later? Well, don't miss a beat. You know, Don't miss the rollout of it. Don't miss being a part of the community from the beginning. Uh, and don't miss being an having an opportunity to help define what this community is for the future as we build it. And then if that's not for you or you're not in a position for a monthly membership like that, or maybe you're just dipping your toe into what we do here, you can check out our free Facebook group, uh, over on Facebook. It is actually the cub Cooker supernatural podcast discussion group. Uh, you can find that on my website, cubcooker.com as well as the mythos membership, whichever one you choose. I promise I'll be there to bless you. The paid group, you're going to get a whole lot more access to me. Uh, you can ask anyone in the group if they drop a question in there. I try to be on it as soon as possible before I answer comments on anything else. Uh, that's really where I give the, the bulk of my attention going forward. So, uh, But anyway, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for your support. Keep reading through Enoch. We're going to keep doing this together. Uh, this is probably a good place to stop. Um, again, lots and lots and lots of different ideas around these mythologies, around the idea of these global floods or what you might consider an esoteric flood, a cleansing of your own, uh, your own inner BS, if you will. I've had to do it to myself multiple times. In fact, God's done it, you know, uh, he started all that emotion for me. So, um, but you know, sometimes we got to be cleansed like that and washed like that. Um, I'm not saying, you know, this was uh, a good thing necessarily in the Old Testament, but I think esoterically it definitely can be. Um, and with that, I wish you a good day. I hope you have a beautiful afternoon. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. And all of the good comments, you guys are awesome. Steffi, thank you for being here. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, X Spiritual, thank you for being here too. Angel Appleseed, always, always thank you for being here. Um, made to conquer is this the new age uh, sounds like new age with a mix of Kabbalah and Freemasonry I don't know I get all of this stuff just from like downloads um, you know I, this isn't really coming from any doctrine it's kind of my own studies I study a lot of different faith systems so um, really it's more about finding that light of Christ that authentic Christ energy in our lives and manifesting it in the world so um, yeah, it's new age. Sure. Uh, I really don't like, uh, I don't like labels, you know, cause a lot of people say, Oh, you're new age. And it's like, well, why is that bad? Uh, I never understood why that was bad. What's wrong with a new age? What's wrong with inter We're all entering a new age in our own life esoterically, or we should be. 
Um, so what's wrong with the new age? I don't see anything wrong with it until you get into like, you know, dark magic stuff, which I don't practice any of that. I'm more about the esoteric stuff that Christ talked about energies, frequencies, love, light, unity, that type of stuff. So may you continue to shine like the stars, like the most beautiful lantern in the sky. Amen. Thank you. She walks in light. Thank you for being here. Made to conquer. Thank you for your question. Uh, there isn't anything wrong with it. I think Angel Appleseed said, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm definitely what you would consider like a new age hippie Christian mystic. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know how, you know, I mean, for me, Christ is not Christian, so I don't really go there. But um, uh, my book I wrote from a Christian perspective, so. Uh, with that said, if you haven't checked out my book, God Given Gifts of Brilliance, it's on the website as well. Um, it's a really, really good walk through your own spiritual gifts. And so if you're struggling with that, that book is for that, especially if you need more of a comfortable Christian perspective, that's going to give it to you. As I get more into what I'm teaching and stuff here and I expand my understanding, I have to leave my comfort zone and the community does too. Again, the book is a great place of comfort if you need that right now and you need to look within and find your own spiritual gifts. It's an audio book. I narrate it. It's about five hours long. It's so good, guys. Like It is such a download from God. It's so good. Um, and it's been highly, highly reviewed. We sold about 50 copies of it last month. So uh, I'm very, very thankful for everyone buying it. That helps me a ton. Um, and then, like I said, if you're ready to like really get out of the comfort zone and go down the rabbit hole with me, get a lot of the teachings and, and stuff I've never released before, including the teachings from that book, uh, as well as different, uh, meditations and sessions like that. The, the private membership is going to be really, really cool. In fact, it already is. I've been updating every day on the Facebook group launched yesterday. Um, and the Odyssey channel is pretty rad. Like it's, uh, it's all built on blockchain. So as we make those moves into more of a blockchain based society, this is going to be a great place because like those teachings will be hosted somewhere there, um, where it's not like on YouTube or something where I don't want to offend anybody with my teachings. Cause I teach with authority in there, lest the, uh, kind of, I don't know mentality here, if that makes sense. So I try to only teach what I know and practice here. I get to explore outside and kind of learn publicly. That's what I like about doing this show here. So if that makes sense, I hope that makes sense. So, uh, she walks in light says, LOL, I'm ready to dive down the rabbit hole. Awesome. Well go check it out. As soon as you sign up, um, it'll drop an email. So check your email and make sure it doesn't go to spam. And then you can click on the Facebook group request to join. And then, um, I'll let you in within like 24 hours normally. And then you can go start going through stuff there, introduce yourself as we get more people. Like I said, we've had a bunch of people sign up in the last few days and hardly, I think we have six people in the Facebook group now. So check your email, make sure you get the Facebook group. Uh, that is just for you guys. That's kind of the hub of where we're going to communicate from. So, um, Anyway, thank you guys. I love you. Thank you for being here. Um, let's see. Um, sorry, I'm lost on some of the comments here, but uh, I hope you guys are having a good conversation. So uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, check out this morning's podcast. It was very, very good. So thank you guys for the hearts and for all the love. 
Go be light to the world. I love you guys. Uh, new name. Facebook group will be on cubcooker.com. It'll just say join the free Facebook group. Uh, and that's where you can ask me more questions about the podcast and stuff and kind of interact with the community more there for free. That's the free one. Uh, the paid one, you can click on the Mythos uh, membership and you'll see everything you get with it. And then you'll get a private Facebook group just for the Mythos community there. So I uh, just I hope that clarifies. I'm trying to do it as simply as possible without trying to build it on one platform. I've tried to do that before and people will have trouble with login and this and that. So I'm trying to spread it out and do it more of a core Facebook group and then do all like the training videos and stuff on Odyssey so that you guys can access that at your convenience. You don't have more logins and trying to log into my system and all of that. So that just makes it simple. So anyway, love you guys. Y'all have a beautiful